and amen. One more time, you got to turn to at least one person. Tell them, remind them, hope's here. Hope's here. Are you telling your neighbor? Tell them right now. Turn to, hope is here. Oh my God. So can we agree on something as we, as we start right out of the gate? The world's messed up. The world is in trouble. We're part of the world. That means we're in trouble. I've never seen it like this ever before. Maybe you haven't either. But we, when you look at what's going on in our world today, there, there, is, there is dissension, there is pain, there is stress, there is um, tension, arguments. I mean, people are against people. I mean, that group is against that group. And, and these people hate those people. And, and you know what? I, I don't believe what you believe. I don't, I, I'm against what you believe about masks. Well, I'm against what you believe about vaccines, conspiracy theorists. Well... I'm against what you believe about politics. Well, I'm against what you believe about religion. You're like, well, I haven't told you what I believe about religion. Well, tell me and I'll tell you I'm against it. You know, it's just, I'm against it, I'm against it. We're so, many people, you know this, we're about what we're against. I think it's the opposite of what God wants. I truly believe it with all my heart. Oh, by the way, this sets up the series that we start next week. I already want to invite you back. Because next week we start a series called Know What You're For. Say for. So what if we were a church, what if you were a person, a people, that instead of we, we, we tweet or we post or we shout about what we're against, what if we declare what we're for? What if we say, you know what, I'm, I'm for my city. I am for, I am for children. I am for uh, lost people. I am for um, healing. I mean, we're, we're, I, think, I think it's going to be more receptive. Jesus, and that's what the whole uh, series is, or yeah, the series is found on, is, is what Jesus was for. Let's look at what Jesus was for, okay? Because he was pretty good about talking what he was for. And you know what that did? It built bridges. You want to share about what you're against? You want to share about the things you hate? You can do that all day long, but I promise you, you're not building a bridge. What you're building is a wall. What, what you're building is, is a barrier. That's what you're building. Well, they need to know. They, okay, you'll, you tell them then. We'll tell them what they need to know. But the problem is, you'll never, by the way, you'll never win an enemy to Christ. Ever. Ever. You prove a point, you're going to prove a point, but you're going to lose, a, you're going to lose an opportunity. You know, you'll, you'll prove a point, but you'll miss making a difference. And that's what happens in our world, especially right now. Because people are so adamant about what they're against. You can still have a position, and you should. And you should still think for yourself. And you should still, uh, I believe, make decisions founded on the principles found in God's word. I don't know what else you would do. I mean, that's what I do. But, but here's what I know. Jesus said, if you're not for me, by default, you're against me. That's what the word of God says. So, so Jesus says, I know what I'm for. If you're with me, you're with me. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle. <laughs> there is no middle. You're either for me or you're against me. And if it's kind of like, ah, well, you're against him. Automatically. You're either for me or against me. But Jesus says, if you're for me, I mean, if you're, if you're for something, they're automatically going to know what you're against, right? So, so, for example, if I tell you, I am for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah! So automatically, by default, you know that I'm against winning. Right? I mean, it's just, I'm sorry. I love them. I love them. They're my team. God wanted to take down Tom Brady. Oh, so close. They're getting better. I, I, I do have a little bit of hope there. So, but by default, then you know what I'm against, right? So what if people knew what we were for? And what if that's what we shouted about? What if that's what we posted about? That's what, what if, think of the impact that we could make with the people. People are, people are dividing themselves with others. And we do it because we think we're going to prove how right we are. But what we're doing is we're hurting the cause for Christ. You'll never reach them. I mean, you never will. So, so I'm so excited about the series. We're going to look at what God's for. 
And I want to be what he's for. If, if we're what he's for, they'll know what we're against, my default. So, because if you keep talking about what you're against, and you keep hearing what people are against, and we keep hitting ourselves with negativity of, of the media or other outlets, that, that it, all it is is negative, it leaves you in a state of hopelessness. That's what it will do. And, and, and I, I, so, there are, it is, I, I wrote it down, actually, I got to tell you a story because have you ever had a, a feeling in your life of, ho- of hopelessness? I mean, utter hopelessness. Like, like it's over. When I was 20 years old, I was a lifeguard. And uh, I know what you're thinking. Right now you're thinking, oh my gosh, he really had a heart for people. He wants to save people, make a difference in the world. No, no, no. No, don't think of me that highly, okay? Uh, what, what the deal was, there was 20 lifeguards. 17 were girls. Three of us guys. I like those odds, okay? That's all I'm saying. That's why I was a lifeguard. That's why I was a lifeguard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So, I would say, but no. Plus, here's the deal. The water park, the, the water was four feet tall. Okay, so I'm like, this is, this is a no-brainer. I mean, it's whatever. So, four feet. And I wasn't that good of a swimmer, but it, it's four feet. You don't have to be. So, we go to lifeguard training this one day where they, you know, they kind of put us through what you have to go through to be certified. And we go to YMCA. I'll never forget it. I thought I was going to die. I, so, we get there. And there's a group of us, and, and we're doing the, they get the dummy out there, and you're, you're saving the dummy and swimming. And I'm like, this is so stupid. It's four feet. But anyway, so I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. So we get to the end of the, our time, and all of a sudden, the guy do, running the, the, the class or whatever says, all right, lifeguards, jump in the deep end. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can, I mean, I can doggy paddle, you know, so I can do this. So I'm, I'm literally just kind of, he's like, you're going to have you tread water for a while. And uh, <laughs> so I, I was not in the best of shape, I guess, but so I'm looking around, and I'm doing my little, you know, doggy paddle, and I'm trying to act calm on the outside, but inside I'm really going to, like, I'm getting tired. Like, my head's starting to bob under the water. And I'm like, this is bad. So I, I literally look at everybody else, and all the other lifeguards, they were just, like, in heaven. They're like, ah, just, they're just, I don't know how they do it. It's like they're not even moving anything, and they're just hovering above the water. And I'm, like, just laboring under the water. And I'm like, this is, uh, this is embarrassing. And I refuse. I would rather die than, than swallow my pride and, and give up, right? So I'm like, I'll, I'll drown doing this. I don't care. I will not, I won't go to the edge. I won't quit. So I'm going, and literally I'm like bobbing my head. And I'm like, oh, and I, I'm, I'm panicking. My heart is racing. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I literally start repenting of my sins and give, giving my life to Jesus. I'm like, it's over. It's over. And just as my head is starting to go under, I, 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 I was just ready to commend my spirit to the Lord. And all of a sudden, I hear this whistle. Burr! All right, get out of the water. And I was like, <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Uh, it, was, it was so bad. It was so bad. But, but there was a feeling of hopelessness that I would die in a pool. Think of the irony that I would die in a pool surrounded by lifeguards. That's weird. Okay, that, That's not the way that you want to go down. Have, so, so have you had that feeling of hopelessness. I mean, I'll tell you who this message is for. It's for anybody who's had that feeling. Maybe you have that feeling right now. And and it might be hopelessness over something minor, but let me tell you something. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Okay, if it matters to you, it matters to God, regardless of how minor you might think it may be. It might be something major. Like, you you may maybe you didn't even want to be here. Or, Or maybe you don't even want to be here. Like, maybe you're in that much despair. Well, look up here. I'm glad you're here. God's glad you're here. He wants you here. He loves you here. In fact, he loves you. And he wants to speak a word of hope into your life. He wants to inject hope into your spirit today. This is for anybody who struggles with hopelessness. Anybody who struggles with depression or despair or regret. Anybody who watches the news for more than two minutes. This is for you, right? This is for you. This is for... So, 
Because here's what the devil will do. When you get to a place of hopelessness, you're, you start to believe the lies. In fact, you, you believe the lies, that's what got, you got you to a state of hopelessness. Is because that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to isolate and bring uh, hopelessness upon you. So you believe the lies that you're not, gonna, you're not good enough. Okay, you're never gonna amount to what you thought you, did, thought you would. Right, you're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not successful enough. You, you're, you're not enough. You don't have what it takes. The dream that you once had, it's dead. It's over. It's done. And you'll never accomplish. You'll never live your purpose. There's no hope for you. That's what the devil wants to say to you. And that's what he said to many of you. And that's what some of us will believe at times when we're in isolation and we're in despair. I came to tell you there's hope in this place today. I came to tell you that, um, in fact, I, I want to give you a definition. I've done this once before in a message, but I want to give you a definition of hope. You need to understand it. A feeling of expectation, a desire, say desire. It's a desire for something to happen. Uh, the only reason I had hope in that pool, I, I need the whistle to go off. I need that guy to say that we're done. I had this desire that he would say, so, okay, we're done. Right there, I was hoping for something. What are you hoping for? What do you have a desire for? That's what hope is. Oh my God, does God have a word for you today? And if you thought you were hopeless in a situation, I can almost guarantee you the story that you're gonna hear out of the word of God today, you, you, you probably have more hope than the guy that you're gonna learn about today. This is so, and, and by the way, I'll tell you, God did a complete 180 this week on me. Has God ever just changed your plans up like that? Like I had it all set up. I had a message. I, had a, I was prepared. Wednesday, I read the word of God and he flipped the script. Yeah, God ever done that? Just, just flip the script on you? Like maybe you hate your job and you're like, this is the day I'm going. I'm going to tell my boss off, right? My job sucks. He sucks. And Monday morning, I'm going in there and I'm going to tell him. And you march in that office and you're like, listen, buddy. And he's like, yes. And you're like, and then you, you know, God kind of says, hey, you're getting a pretty good paycheck. Hey, benefits are decent. Hours not bad. And all of a sudden God starts to flip the script and you're like, listen, buddy. He's like, yes. Ah, you know, I like what you've done with the office. Uh, yeah, it looks good in here. He's like, what? That's it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, have a good day. Yeah, so thank God you have your job. The, the problem is you're going to be drug tested later because he thinks you're kind of weird. So, but you ever had God just flip the script? That's what he did on this message. I'll tell you that. This, this was not the, the plan, this, this, this message that I'm giving you. But you know how I know that, what excites me about that? I know that when God does that, it's all God. Only God can do that. See, I want to keep it where it was because it was comfortable. I was prepared. And then God flipped it. So, I, so what I'm telling you is, this is from God. This is from God. I'm preaching to you today out of the Gospel of Luke. Luke 8, 26. Jesus and his disciples arrived in a region of Gerasenes, across from the Lake of Galilee. It's, it's crazy. The late, late, the, so you got this Sea of Galilee here. Um, on this side is, is the Promised Land, where all the Jews hang out. While on the other side of it, where they went, I mean, that's pagan territory. That's Gentiles. A Gentile is just, well, you're probably Gentiles. A Gentile is a non-Jew. That's all it is. So, so Jesus travels to, to where no one else would travel. Jesus goes where no one else wants to go. He, he hangs out with nobody who no one else wants to hang out with. My God, I love that. So, he, so Jesus, they get there, and Jesus gets out of the boat, and this dude possessed by demons comes out to meet Jesus. Okay. This guy's got problems. And, and by the way, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, demons and all this. What kind of weird stuff is this? I'm telling you, demonic act. I mean, we live in a spiritual realm. We don't see it because we're very tangible. We're very temporal. But God doesn't see things that way. And, and demonic activity, it's happening. It's, I mean, anybody ever raised a teenager? It's, you believe in demons. I know you do. I do. You ever driven on I-80 during rush hour? 
Every third car is driven by a demon. I kid you not. It's a true story. I, I have done the research. So, I'm, demons are real. Demonic activity is happening. See what the Taliban is doing? I've said this before. You want to know demonic activity? That's it. That's demonic activity. And, and it's not just that. It's, it's very subtle, too. It's in our schools. It's, it's in our churches. It's in our, it's in our communities. So, so I, I don't want you to hear the story like, oh, my gosh, some guy possessed by I'm telling you. Demonic activity, it's like it was there, it is here. It, just, it, might, it might manifest differently, it might look differently, but it is real. I just want you to know that. So for a long time, this guy, okay, this is why I'm telling you, you're, you're probably not this bad, okay? He's homeless, he's naked, and he's living in the tombs outside of town. Okay, his best friend's a corpse, okay? I mean, think. Of, turn to your neighbor, tell him, I don't have it that bad. Tell him, tell her, you don't have it that bad. Well, my car broke down. You ain't naked in the cemetery, Okay. And if you are, we want to pray for you. Or if you were, whatever. So, um, so as soon as Jesus, as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked. He falls to the ground in front of Jesus. Just picture that. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Pause. I want you to see what, what, what we just read. And I want it to hit you like it hit me. The demons are the ones speaking through this guy. Do you hear what they're saying to Jesus? Number one, what's the first thing to do? They fall. They bow down to Jesus. See, even the demons understand that Jesus' authority. They, that's what it said. They fall down before him. And then what they call him? You're the son of the most high God. The demons declare that Jesus Christ is the son of God. It's crazy. And then the demons pray. What do you mean they pray? They prayed. They prayed to Jesus. They beg Jesus, don't do it. Don't torture us. Let's pray. Don't, don't over-spiritualize prayer, okay? Prayer is you communicating with God. That's all it is. It doesn't have to be a certain posture, a certain place. It can be, and that's awesome if it is. But, but it's you talking to God. They are speaking, and they're declaring, you're the son of God, and I beg you. So the demons are praying to God. They're falling at the feet of God, and they're declaring Jesus is the son of man. It's getting crazy here, so let's keep going. So... For Jesus already commanded the evil spirits to come out of the man. The spirit often takes control of the man, and even when he's placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, so people come here, and they're trying to just keep these guys contained because they're out of control, they don't know what's going on, and, and he simply breaks out of them and rushes out in the wilderness completely under the demon's power. So the, 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 the demon is just controlling this guy, messing with him. Jesus demands, what is your name? Talking to the demon. Legion, the demon replied. For this man was filled with many demons. A legion of demons. The demons kept begging. Oh, I'll change it. The demons kept praying. It, it might bother you. Some of you just even hear that. It's okay. The demons kept praying. Jesus, don't, kept praying for Jesus not to send them to the bottomless pit. So the, so the, so the demons continually begged Jesus, pray to Jesus, Oh, so what else do they do? They also declare there is a bottomless pit. So they're declaring, I mean, think about what they're doing. They're declaring there is a place set aside for Satan and anybody who separates themselves from God. That's what they're declaring. And then they say, whatever you do, don't send us there. So even the demons don't want to go there. Think about this. This is, how, this is so insane. They bow down. They pray to him. They declare he's the son of God. They acknowledge his power. They acknowledge there's a place they don't want to go. It's, it's, so, verse 32. 
there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on a hillside nearby. There's pigs because these are Gentiles. Jews would have nothing to do with pigs or pork. They wouldn't. Very unclean animal in that day. And, uh, but this is why there's pigs over here. This is Gentile area. So there's pigs and the demons beg. They, they pray to God. They pray to the Son of God. They beg him, just let us go into the pigs. Send us into the pigs, right? So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs. The entire herd of pigs, pigs plunged down the hillside into the lake, and, and the pigs drowned. It's a crazy story. Here's my question. Here's, what, here's why I parked here this week. I thought to myself, why would Jesus, who is on, obviously, God's team, the good side, give permission, grant a request to the enemy? Why? Jesus, why don't you just take the demons out? Take them out. You're Jesus. They know your authority. You can do whatever you want. Why would you grant their prayer request? I think that's exactly what Jesus did. I'll give you a couple reasons. Number one, the Gospels are amazing. The Gospels are the stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the stories of Jesus told by four different guys, and all through their different angles. It's beautiful. So, so number one, the, one of the reasons Jesus permitted that is because it wasn't God's appointed time. The reason I can tell you that is because the demons declared it. If you read the same story in Matthew, you don't need to go there now, but maybe after church or this week, I pray that you do. You can read this story, and what you'll learn is that the demons even say to Jesus, it's not God's appointed time. Isn't that crazy? The demons know that there is an an appointed time where God and his army are going to kick the demons, beep, and they're done. It's over. Right? So, So they're acknowledging it's not God's time yet. That's one of the reasons that Jesus would do that. But if it's not God's time, okay, well, what, but here's the other thing I think. I, I think Jesus is granting their request because of their posture to Jesus. I, I think Jesus blesses faith, even a demons. That's what I think. That's what I think. They're bowing down before Jesus. They, they are declaring, Jesus, you have all authority. You can do whatever you want. We are powerless in your, in your sight. You are all powerful. We will beg you. We will pray to you. We will declare who you are. We will declare there is a place that we don't want to go. We will, we, will, we will ask you. We will beg of you like two or three different times. It, that's what I believe. I think Jesus is honoring their faith. I just wrote down, I think, if we would recognize the power of Jesus Christ as much as the demons did, I mean, if we had faith like a demon, our lives would never be the same. I, I can just picture it. I can picture, you're going to go home, you're going to talk to some friend, they don't go to church, they don't care, they're hungover, or you're going to talk to a family member, what'd you learn in church today? Well, I learned that I need to have faith like a demon. Okay, they're like, what church do you go to? Oh, Meadows? Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that, okay, well, excuse. So, yeah, faith like a demon. I, I bet you've never heard that before. So, welcome to Meadows. Verse 34, when the herdsmen saw what happened with the pigs, they ran to a town, surrounded by countryside I get excited. Surrounded by countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed to see what happened. What's going on? Thousands of pigs going over the edge. The crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been freed from the demons. They saw, him, they saw him sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they're all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed dude had been healed. And all the people in the region of, of that, that region begged Jesus to go away. That's insane. And leave him alone. A great wave of fear swept over them. See, understand something. 
when, when Jesus Christ wants to do something supernatural in your life, you're going to probably have two friends accompany you. Fear and doubt. Okay? You, they will almost all the time. So if you have fear or you have doubt, praise God. Just don't let it overtake you. That just means God probably is positioning you for something big. So, so they have fear and doubt. See, when God wants to take you from here to there, and I guarantee he wants to take you from here to there, guarantee you. When he wants to do that, it's going to require faith on your part. Big time. It won't be easy. And when God does do something supernatural, people, it's going to freak people out. Understand this. I, I wrote it down. I said, when God does something supernatural in your life, when you start to change and you become a threat, you'll become a threat to the people who had no plan of changing. You will. And by the way, then you don't want, you probably don't want to hang around those people too much because you, you become who you hang out with, right? And if people don't want to change and, and now they're threatened by your changing, well, gosh, you're, you're accomplishing things. Gosh, you're doing this. God's, God, God's doing great things. And this jealousy seeps in. It's going to happen. Praise God that it's happening. It means God's changing you. It means that God's doing something in you. So Jesus returned to the boat. Isn't that so interesting? So they beg Jesus to leave. They beg Jesus to leave. And what does Jesus do? He leaves. In other words, you don't want me here, I won't be here. Jesus isn't going to force himself on you. He's not that kind of God. He loves you. But he knocks at the door. And if you say, go away, I'd rather do my thing. I'd rather live my will. I'll, I'll keep drinking. I'll keep doing the drugs. I'll keep doing what I want to do. Whatever it is for you. I'll keep sleeping around. I'll, whatever. I'm going to keep doing it, Jesus. You know what Jesus will do? I'll be, I'll be back here then. Because he's not, you want me to go, I'll go. I wonder how many of us, we've actually pushed Jesus away or told him to get back in the boat. And it's subtle. We don't, it's not like we're doing it like blatantly. But by the way that we're acting and the way that we're maybe living or the way that we're thinking or how we're speaking out loud, we're telling Jesus, get in the boat. We, you don't need to be around here. This is, this is my show. So, so Jesus, you, you don't want me here? I won't be here. I'll leave. He crosses back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begs, prays to go with him. But Jesus sends him home saying, no, no, no. You go back to your family. You tell him what God has done for you. I love it. <laughs> you tell him what God has done for you. So he went through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus Christ had done. I love that. See, when you are touched by the hand of God, when the Holy Spirit starts to come upon you and change you, you can't help but tell others about it. You can't. Well, I don't know if I want, I, I don't know if I should be sharing my, my faith or, you know, inviting people to church. I mean, they might think I'm weird. Listen to me. They already think you're weird, okay? Don't get over that. Okay, they know that already. Well, I don't know if I should be bringing up Jesus, you know, at work and that kind of thing. It's kind of, could be offensive. And Okay, you know what's more offensive? Hell. Okay, that, that would be more offensive for them, for them to experience than you sharing your faith. Trust me. It's like we, we, the devil, again, fear of sharing what God has done in our lives. If people didn't share what God did in their lives, we, we'd have a lot of people today not getting baptized. Do you know that? There would be a lot of people not sitting in the, in the seats today. There would be a lot, lot of people not watching online. If people didn't have the faith to share, this is what Jesus Christ did in my life. This is what he can do in your life. Oh, he's so good. Oh, he's so big. Oh, he changed me. And they're, and they're just declaring it. I, I talked to a woman one time, and she said, when I'm at work, they know if I open my mouth, Jesus is coming out. And I was like, yeah, you go, girl. I mean, God help us when we become more concerned about what people say about us instead of what God thinks about us. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh. I, sometimes I think we're so afraid of offending people, it offends God. Doesn't it? God's like, you're kidding me. 
they're dying on the inside, but you're scared to offer to pray for them? I'm the very, I'm the very thing they need. Well, I don't know. They didn't, you know, they didn't politically correct. I am the opposite of politically correct, and I always will be. I, that's just who I am. I don't want it. I want what God wants. And God, what God wants looks way different than what the world wants. And, and that gap will keep widening. Eventually, you will have to take a stand. See, right now, you, you, can, you, can, you, can be on the, you can be in the middle. And if you're in the middle, by the way, you're not in the middle. You're either for me or you're against me, Jesus said. Remember? So, so you might think you're in the middle. You're not. You're against him. So as culture changes, and it will, you won't stop it. Okay? It's prophecy. It's going to happen. You won't stop God's plan. And it's going to get worse before it gets better, probably. And eventually, you will have to take a stand about where you stand. So, Jesus, they, they took a stand. Jesus, we don't want you here. Jesus gets in the boat and he leaves. God, by the way, when, when you, I, I pray that you will, I always want to be a church that's reaching out to lost people. We can never lose the heart of who we are. We exist to lead people to Christ. We exist to lead people to Christ. That means that we're hanging out with people that aren't with Christ. That means that we're hanging out with people who don't know Christ. That means we're hanging out with people who, you know, maybe don't do what we do or the, whatever. That's what it means. This can never be some holy club. I mean, that's not who we are. Jesus didn't die for a club. He died for the church. And the church goes after lost people. So I, uh, yeah, I just want you to know who, who, who we are as a church. I, uh, I don't invite people to Meadows because we're Meadows Church. That's for sure. Jesus didn't die for Meadows Church. I invite people to, to our church because I want them to experience the love of the Father through the church. You know, it's weird. I'm going to invite... It's, it's, it, Invite people to attend church. That doesn't even make sense, really, because how can you attend who you are? This isn't the church. You're the church. I'm the church. We're the church. This is God's church. And God's church done, done God's way. Lives will change. Lives will change. They will change. I, uh, like, like, we're known as the church, or maybe I'm known as the pastor that would pay people to come to church. That's always controversial. I don't get it. Oh, God forbid you pay somebody some money and they give their life to Christ. I mean, that'd be the worst investment in the world, wouldn't it? But, but we get all shook up about it. I don't. I don't. I, I was having lunch with a gal two weeks ago. It was so awesome. And she's like, oh, I'm inviting a friend of mine, a coworker, and he's so close. And she knows me. She's like, Pastor, I even, I even tried. I even offered 20 bucks. I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. And she's like, God, Lord, you showed up. So, um, so <laughs> thank you. Uh, so I, I offered him 20 bucks, and she said it didn't do it. And I, I was getting all excited because I love these God stories. I'm like, you know what? You tell him if he comes, I'll give him a hundred. And she's like, all right, I'll tell him. And we keep moving on with our meal and we finish up and everything. I forgot all about it. She texts me Saturday night, late. Hey, pastor, sorry for the short notice, but he's coming tomorrow. And I'm like, and I forgot about everything. I'm like, oh, that's great. I can't wait to meet him. And, and then she texts back. She's like, yeah, I'm sure he's excited to get the money. And I was like, crap, that's right. I, what if I, why do I say these things? So I had to come up with a hundred bucks and I did. So <laughs> I forgot all about it. So he comes, and uh, sometimes I just say stuff. So, but he shows up, and uh, this is last weekend, I think, and I give him the 100 bucks, he's walking in, and I said, listen, you, you, uh, God, God's going to do something today. You lean into what he's doing. And I'm sure, who knows what he was thinking? He's thinking, this church is insane. Yes, we are. So, um, so <laughs> and in my head, here's what I'm thinking, because uh, I'm human. I'm thinking in my head, dude, if you try to duck out early, I pray God will blow out your transmission. I kid you not. <laughs> you ain't leaving early. Okay. <laughs> Do not do it. You do not grab the money and run. I will tackle you. So um, he, didn't, he didn't leave. In fact, we communicated this week. He's coming back. I mean, God's doing great things. God's doing great things. That's the, that's, 
That investment is a no-brainer, church. So, so never forget who we are. Who you are is Meadows Church. You exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. You, you are a church where it's okay to not be okay. You are a church that you uphold the word of God as your authority. In season, out of season. By the way, it's always in season. I don't care what the world does. This is God's church and we lift up the word of God. We are a church that we do life together. We're a church where kids ministry. It isn't some afterthought. No, no, no. It's our first and greatest ministry. We are a church where you come as you are, but through the power of Jesus Christ, you don't stay that way. God's gonna change somebody. That's who you are. That's who you are. Lives change through his church. And there is hope today. You know why? You're messy and so am I. But Jesus Christ is not afraid of our mess. Jesus Christ isn't afraid of your mess. Oh, I'm so messed up. Oh, I'm so... Yeah, he already knows. He knows. He gets it. There's no, nothing's hidden from him. He isn't afraid of it. If he's not afraid of a mess of a naked dude hanging out with corpses, you're, you, you're, he's probably, you're probably okay. He's probably not afraid of your mess either. So what was the guy's biggest issue, by the way? What was the biggest issue of that dude in the cemetery? It's obvious, right? He's riddled with demons. That's his biggest issue. Here's what hit me. Here's one of the reasons that I know that God gave this message for you today. I'm reading the word of God. I share this with my leaders. I share this with our purpose group leaders. I, I, I couldn't get over it. So I'm reading, his biggest issue is demons. That's all, he just needs the demons out of him. Luke 8, 35. The demons are, are, um, are taken out of the man. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And I'm like, it's interesting that fully clothed is put in there. I just, I park there for a second. So the man's naked in a cemetery and God purposely makes sure that Luke records this guy's clothed. And why I'm telling you that is this. See, God cares about every area of your life. He cares about this man's dignity. He cares about this man. I mean, the, the man's been released of demons. And Jesus would say, hey, get him some clothes. Right, up, right now, get him some Right now, please. Let's get him clothes. Because he has dignity. Because he has worth. It, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't know why. I've read this scripture over and over. I've never seen that. Get him some clothes, please. Jesus cares about your whole mess. The little tiny things. Remember what I told you? If it matters to you, it matters to God. If it matters to you, it matters to God. So the little messes, the medium messes he cares about. Mike, he cares about the big messes you cause when the cops get involved. All the messes, right? He cares about them all. He cares about them all. If you keep reading in, in, the, in the gospel of Luke, you know what you'd read? A few, a, few mess, or a few passages later, Jesus shows up on the scene where there's a dead woman, a dead girl. Jesus heals three people, or Jesus raises three people from the dead in Scripture. She's one of them. Four, if you want to count himself. Three people. Here's what, I, God was just doing, I'd never seen it. The, the, the guy's name is Jairus, he's the dad. The girl's young, she's dead, it's over. Jesus shows up on the scene, they're like laughing at Jesus because he thinks, oh, she's sleeping. Jesus shows up, does what only Jesus can do. What's the girl's biggest issue? The girl's biggest issue is, well, she's dead. Okay, that's a big issue. That's a problem. She is, her lungs aren't breathing. Her heart's not beating. She's dead. That's her biggest issue. You know the first thing Jesus says after he heals her and raises her from the dead? Get her something to eat. Get her something to eat right now. She's hungry. Let's get her a meal. 
I'm like, you're kidding me, Jesus. You've resurrected a young, a dead girl, and you're concerned. He said, you bet that's my concern. You better believe it. I care about every aspect of that little girl's life. Get her food. I'm like, Jesus, how? I love him so much. He cares about every detail of your life. This, our church, we have more prayer requests flooding in than we've ever had. People are texting prayer now to 474747. People are going on the website and putting prayer requests that way. People are, are, are texting the prayer warriors. I mean, it's insane. So, and they're not, and the prayer requests, they're all, I mean, some are, may seem little things, and I mean, some are huge. Pray for my fiance. He's on the verge of death. I don't know if he's going to make it. That's a pretty big prayer request. Okay? And then there's some that might seem insignificant, right? One came in and said, pray that the Vikings win. Well, I didn't, even, I didn't even send that to the prayer team. I just threw it away. I said, there's some things God can't even do. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. That was for you, Caitlin. So anyway, so, uh, <laughs> I'm bitter. The Cowboys lost, so I'm, I, let me have my fun. So, uh, <laughs> the prayer requests are flooding in. And it's not because that the church is more jacked up than it used to be. We've always been jacked up. It's not because things are all, that much worse. You know why? It's because our church is starting to understand the power of prayer. Our church is starting to understand the heart of prayer. After the service, there will be prayer warriors up here. There will be prayer warriors out there. In fact, they'll have shirts on to say this. is How can I pray for you? You know what many of you do? You'll run to them. Praise God. You will seek them out, and you'll let them lift you up in prayer. I can't wait till the entire church does it. But our church, the culture, is being created right now, and the church is starting to understand the power of prayer. That's why they're coming in. It's so crazy. We're starting to understand the power of doing life together as well. We're a church where you don't do life alone. Hopelessness and isolation go hand in hand. Never forget it. The devil will isolate you, and then he will, then he will take, rip your hope out of, out of your throat. It's what he wants to do. That's why we're so adamant about groups, life groups, purpose groups, do life together, all these things. I could share a story from this week. I don't have the time. Insane. This woman is hopeless. She reaches out, and she, I, it's just, God is on the move. So, Remember what the scripture said in Luke, with the, how I started? I won't go back there and show it to you, but it said, it said the man in, in, the, in the cemetery, he was that way for a very long time. That's what it says. You can go back and read it later. A very long time, he's this way. How did he not lose hope? How? Do you know why I can tell you he didn't lose hope? This is what I believe. He wasn't alone. You might be thinking, what do you mean? Well, God was with him. That's not what I mean. He was not alone. You remember how I shared with you, when you start reading, the, you start falling in love with the word of God and you start saturating yourself with it, it will change you. And you'll know that the gospels come, all come together and they collide. It's so amazing. So, so what Luke writes, he writes it from his angle, but then Matthew wrote the story from his angle. Can I just read you what Matthew said about the story? It's huge. Matthew 8, 28, when Jesus arrived at the other side of the lake in this region, two men were possessed by demons, met him. See, there was two. Why did, why did Luke just record one? He, Luke probably just recorded the one that was speaking. I don't know. There's two. Say there's two. There's two. I, I, I picture it in my head right now. I picture it in my head right now. <laughs> Cuts. It, I mean, it, this, one of the gospels says they're cutting themselves. You know, suicidal. Cutting themselves. Demons are forcing them to hurt themselves. God, if that's you today, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. God loves you. He's so glad you're here. God, he's got hope for you. So one's cutting themselves, and the other one's like, hey, dude, it's going to be okay. 
Because you need me and I need you. And I know that right now you want to die. I know that right now that you're dying on the inside. I know that right now you want to kill yourself. I know right now that you don't want to be here. I know that right now the demons have control, but I'm here. I got you. I got you. By, hey, by the way, you know what? I heard about a guy. I don't know if it's true or not, but he's on the other side of the lake. I'm hearing from, I'm hearing the guys that come and try to shackle us. You know what I hear him talking about? I hear him talking about a guy on the other side of the lake. And you know what's going on there? He's like healing people like you and me. He's hanging out with people like you and me. He's loving people like you and me. What if it's true? What if it's true? We can't give up. Then all of a sudden this guy, he's all of a sudden doing okay, but this guy over here, the demons got him now. And now he's screwed up and he's messed up and he's taking a jagged rock and he's trying to do this or do this. He's like, I can't do it. And that guy says, hey, I'm here for you now. You help me. I'm going to help you. Don't give up. I love you. This, what, if, what if what you said was true? What if that guy on the other side of the sea, what if he comes here and he does for us what we're hearing? I don't know if it's true, but what if it is? What, there's hope. Say hope. There's hope. Don't give up. I love you. And together, they can be there for a very long time until a day a man that they dreamed would be real came across the other side of the lake and showed up and changed their world forever. The love of the Father Hope is a powerful thing. Harvard, the college, did a study in the 1950s. Dr. Kurt Richter placed rats in a pool. This kind of brings back memories of my, my lifeguarding. But anyway, take that out of your head. He placed rats in a pool to test how long they could tread water. On average, the rats gave up and would, would sink after 15 minutes. They could make it longer than me. I'm not lying. So 15 minutes they would sink. But right before they would actually sink and go down due to exhaustion, the researchers would pluck the rat or rats out of the water. They would dry them off. They'd let them rest for just a few minutes. And they'd put the rats back in for another round. In the second try, how long do you think the rats lasted? Now remember, they just, they literally just a few minutes ago, they swam to exhaustion. And then they got plucked out, dried off, gave them a couple minutes, back in. What do you think? Maybe another 15 minutes? Maybe 10? Maybe 5? The answer is 60. Uh, not 60 minutes, 60 hours. It's true. 60 hours. The rat would tread water. 60 hours. It's not an error. It's right. 60 hours of swimming. The conclusion drawn from the study was that since the rats had hope that they would eventually be rescued, they would push their bodies way past what they previously thought possible. Moral of the story, here's what I think. Man. If hope, if hope can cause an exhausted rat to swim that long, what do you think it can do in you? I came to tell somebody, don't you lose hope, okay? Don't you give up today. Don't you give in today. I, we declare, the best is yet to come. If you choose to believe it, say, I believe it. Shout, I believe it. I don't hear you shouting. 60 hours. A rat. That rat didn't even know Jesus. How'd he do it? Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope. Who's the source of hope? 
will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. You will not let fear rule your life. Stop. Shut off your TV. Shut off your social media. Quit. Get in the word of God. Center yourself on truth. You trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you can't imagine overflowing with hope because hope seems like it's about right here. God wants to fill you up. If you let him, you'll overflow. I'll close with this. I've got good news and I've got bad news. The bad news is there is no hope for you apart from Jesus. None. COVID-19 gets all the headlines, doesn't it? There's something way worse. Way worse. It's called sin. Ain't no vaccine, ain't no cure, there's no reprieve. In fact, your only hope when it comes to that is a bloodstained cross in an empty tomb. That's it. There is no hope for you or for me apart from Jesus. I lived apart from Jesus. I've, the, the lifeguarding incident had nothing on the drug addiction incident that left me as a corpse, basically living in a cemetery. That's what it felt like. I had never been so hopeless in my life, ever. God, I, I'd never want to feel that way again. Guess who I was apart from? Jesus. There's no hope for you or for me apart from Jesus. Now for the good news. God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus. You know why? Because you're a mess and so am I. But you know what we learned today? Well, Jesus isn't afraid of our mess. If he's not afraid of that dude in the cemetery, we're good. So, so Jesus can't, actually, your mess is why we do what we do. My mess is why Jesus came. That's the whole, that's why he came. That's why he lived the way he lived. That's why he did that. That's why he lived out that story we learned today about the boat and the guys and all that. Our mess is the reason that Jesus had to pick up a cross. Our mess is the reason he carried it up a hill. Our mess is the reason that he was killed on it and nailed to it and bled all over it. Our mess is the reason he died on it. It was our mess, my mess. That's why he did it. Now for the, now for the really good news. Three days later, after the cross, Jesus would turn a mess into a miracle. Three days later, Jesus Christ would turn a mess into a miracle. Because three days later, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God was no longer dead, but he was alive. Jesus Christ had resurrected from the dead. That is why you and I have hope. And today Jesus says, he says, you put your mess into my hands and I will show you great things. Do you believe it? There's hope. He's here. He wants to do great things in you. That's why he came. Your mess and my mess. 
thank you, Father. God, for not being afraid of our mess. I wrote down, every believer, there's hope beyond the grave. Why? Because Jesus Christ opened the door to the kingdom of heaven for us. I'll never stop reminding you, if I ask, if I ask 10 out of 10 people in the world leaving here today, I believe almost 10 out of 10, maybe 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. If you believe in heaven, how do you get there? Well, if I'm good, I go to heaven. If I'm bad, I go to hell. Wrong on both counts. It's not true. If you're covered by the grace of God, you go to heaven. If you're not, you go to hell. You can't earn it. It's not what you do. It's who you know. This is huge. It was huge for me. Save me, literally. I'm like, I don't need to earn it. You can't, Monty. Trust me, the way you live, you never will. I know. It's, you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do this today. You, I pray that you will do this day if you've never done it. And maybe you've done it, but you've gotten off track and the way you're living looks no different than a, somebody who's an atheist. Praise God you're watching online. Praise God you're here in the room. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the author of hope, the perfecter of hope. Ask him to save you and set you free. Ask him to come and make you new. Ask him to Holy Spirit to enter into you today and forgive you. If you do and you mean it, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. That's it? Don't overcomplicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're saved by God's grace through your faith when you believe in the story of Jesus. He was dead, he was perfect, and then he was alive. And because of that, you have hope. Apart from Jesus, there is no hope for you and for me. Praise God that he's here. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place today. It is in this place today. And I came to tell somebody, you are never too screwed up, ever. You are never too messed up to surrender to the one who wants to set you free and let the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords clean you up, because that's what he'll do. That's what he'll do. Today, we're going to celebrate. I celebrate with you. You may be walked in here dead on the inside. I pray that the Holy Spirit is filling you up as you get the Word of God injected into you. I pray. If you're watching online, I pray that put in the comments whatever God is doing. I don't care. Talk to us. Communicate. Tell us what's going on in your life. You want to call on Jesus? Just, just say, I call on Jesus. We'll connect with you. Text, I choose Jesus to 47474. I don't care how you do it. Surrender to him. If they're good, they go here. If they're bad, no. If you're saved, you go here. If you're not, you go the other. You're either for me or against me. How can I be for you, Jesus? Surrender to me. Let me make you new. Let me pick you up. Let me heal you. Let me cast these bad things out of you. And let's do this together. I love you so much. He loves you so much. I'll pray for you. I'll invite the prayer team. Well, you know what? We're going to close in a song. So we'll hold off on the prayer team for a second until after the song. But I'm going to pray for you. I pray that you'll stick around for an extra 40 minutes or so and celebrate with 16 people who are declaring their faith in Jesus Christ right outside those doors outside. God is so good. Yeah, Keith, you're one of them. You're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them, aren't you? God loves you, doesn't he? Jesus died for you, didn't he? You're going to declare it, aren't you? You ready? I said, you ready?
I love you. The Father loves you so much more. He's not mad at you. He's not down on you. He just wants to be with you. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I lift up everybody in this place, everybody watching online. The hope experiment. <laughs> We're learning through rats today, Father, that hope is a powerful thing. When you're in the equation, there's hope. And with hope, oh my gosh, the world, the, it, it, it'll never be the same. Will you, I pray that everybody in the room, everybody watching online, God, that the Holy Spirit will minister to them on purpose, individually, and that they'll do whatever the Holy Spirit tells them to do. Some will surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. Some will run to a prayer warrior. Some will run outside after the service and they, will, they can't help but celebrate. Heck, some might on the spot want to get baptized. I'll have a conversation with them. We'll talk about it. If it's your will, we'll do it. I don't care, God. We want what you want. Have your way in this place today, God. Do what only you can with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.